Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's show. Uh, We're really excited about our guest today. Um, He is definitely one of my all-time favorite musicians. I was asked a question yesterday by someone, and they asked me, they said, if you could only listen to one contemporary jazz artist for the rest of your life, you can only pick one, who would it be? And it was, for me, it was really, really easy. It was our guest today. Um, He's a 12-time Grammy nominee. He's a Grammy winner um, with, to my count, 30-plus albums to his credit and uh, far too many chart-topping songs to mention <laughs> because we've only got an hour. Um, his distinctive sound can be heard on some of the most memorable songs in the history of of music. He's played with legends like Whitney Houston, Quincy Jones, Luther Vandross, and that's just to name a few. And he continues to be one of the most successful contemporary jazz musicians uh, of our time. Um, he's a songwriter, a saxophonist, a minister, an educator, humanitarian, a podcaster, a world citizen, and more. Please welcome Mr. Kirk Whalem. Kirk, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm really, really geeked. I'm, I'm very, very honored to be a part of this. And, uh, you know, that intro is, uh, you know, very humbling. You know, you just look around and people can say that kind of thing about you. It's, it's pretty uh, uh, sobering, you know? Yeah, well, you've earned it all. And I'll tell you, we were just interviewing Adam Hawley before you got on. And Adam was talking about the people who were who've made a big impact in his career. You were one of those names. And I can't tell you how many times you've come up when we've talked to other artists, whether it's about your demeanor as a human being. Or I remember one artist talking about how they were coming up and they were on a bill with you and how just before you go on stage, you're practicing. And they were like, man, if Kirk Whalem is practicing like that, I got it up my game, you know. So (laughs) you've earned all of those accolades, man. (laughs) Man, well, you know what? Shout out to Adam Harley, man. He's just one of the finest people I know. I mean, not to mention that that young brother, when I first played with him, he was probably 26 uh-huh. and he had his doctorate already. Yeah. And I, I, I just went, you know what, man, I am slumming. I need to, <laughs> I need to get myself in gear and go through something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, we really enjoyed talking to him, but I gotta tell you, I've been listening to your music for decades and I am sure like countless others, your music has positively impacted my life. I just, you know, how have you continued to stay so relevant and on the top of your game over such a long career? Well, you know, I heard something the other day, you know, someone said to, to be relevant, you just have to be willing to change. You have to mm-hmm. be willing to adapt and um, to reinvent yourself, you know, and I don't ever want to be accused of like, okay, trying to be young. You know, mm-hmm. like I did that. I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> and now I'm going to try to be a better, older person. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But definitely when I hear music by young musicians, I'm inspired. And I want to get off in that car with them and ride yeah. with them and see what they're talking about. You know, so that that's it. I think, you know, it's about being willing to, willing to go forward. I yeah. think Miles Davis is one of our, our best uh, examples of that. You know, um, I, I, you know, uh, jumping ahead, I guess I did yeah. a whole project about that, you know, uh, called Humanité. Right. Uh, traveling to other countries, doing collaborations with young artists in those countries, you yeah. know, actually recording there. So we can talk about that later, but just yeah. as part of the answer to this question, and that's, you know, how do you stay relevant and, and keep doing it? You just have to be a, 
willing to, you know, learn from younger people. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that's great to always have that mindset of being because you can. We, I mean, we never arrive, I think, in this life, right? Whether yeah, it's in our craft or in our spirituality, which we'll talk about, or we're always trying to get a little bit closer, you know? So yeah. that's a great way of thinking about it. That's a great way of yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, we're travelers, man. We're yeah, travelers. no doubt about it. So how did you get your start in, in music? How did you come up in this, in this industry? I would say, you know, if I had been uh, aware, I was mm -hmm. there, but I was, I was a newborn. If I, if yeah. I had been aware, I have a feeling that the doctor, you know, Thank my hiney as I came out and told my mom, congratulations, you have a, a healthy young musician. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so, you know, like even before they checked the sex, they were like, this brother's a musician. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was always going to be a musician. And I never prepared, you know, to fall back. And, and I know that that's a really good idea, especially yeah. now. I mean, this, this, is, this is an age where, man, some of my best friends and some of the best musicians I know are, are delivering you know, Uber or they're driving Uber or they're, you know, in the gig economy one way or another. Yes. And that's all cool because, you know, we have to figure out how to, how to stay on top of our rent. Right. But yes, but I never prepared another career. And there are times when I regret that, mm -hmm. but in general, I think I did okay because I, I was able to focus on the thing I love. Yeah. If you can focus on the thing you're passionate about, you will figure it out. God will make a way for you yes. to make a living doing it. Yes. And to be a blessing to people. And, and that that comment gets me in trouble. You know, some parent is listening, going like, please don't say that. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny you say that because I just had that conversation with my daughter and, and it, yeah. a, a, der a derivative of that conversation. My my words to her, she's 16. She wants to be a, a Broadway actress and a singer. Right. And I nice. told her, I said, focus on what you love, because if you do what you love, You'll be good at it. And if you're good at what you do, the money will come. Don't worry yeah, about that piece of it. Yeah, so that's, that's good advice, man. I, I wholeheartedly, uh, uh, you know, concur and uh, I will I will stamp that advice. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. So you are one of the first jazz musicians, really to fuse gospel and jazz and you've done it from the beginning of your career. How did that come into being for you? Yeah, I, I I was first of all, I was determined it was kind of what, you know, not so much what you're trying to do, but you're trying not to do. OK. And the not part is to be a gospel musician. Like I was just not going to do that. A yeah. gospel saxophone player. And I, I don't know. If my motivation was so good on that, but that was the case. Mm -hmm. But then I also heard a band called Koinonia. OK. And some folks already know that band. Uh, they, if not, they will know the name Abraham Laboreal. Uh, Justo Almario, the okay. saxophone player, uh, Alex Acuna, uh, you know, a lot of those guys were Latino, but uh, all of them were Christians. Yeah, but they were all to a one top call studio musicians in L.A. OK, and they put that band together and the word koinonia means fellowship. Uh huh. And. I was such a fanboy. I, I listened. I bought everything they did, and it set the the tone for me. Kind of gave me something to shoot for. So yeah. you can make a statement in the music industry, loving God and representing, hopefully even manifesting God. Yeah, in and through your music, but do it in the broader, uh, uh, the broader spectrum, broader audience 
uh, of, of mainstream music, which I think is where it's needed. Yeah. And I think of, I'm not by any means the first, you know, but I, I think of people like the staple singers. Yes. The staple singers were not a gospel group, but they came from gospel roots and yeah. they had a vision of sharing the love of Christ through their music. Yes. And, and a vision of, of eternal life, a vision of heaven, you know, I'll take you there. Yeah. They had a, a vision of sharing that in the mainstream context. And I, I just feel like if I could do a, a, just a fraction of what they did, I'm, I'm privileged to get to know Mavis and, you know, yeah, yeah. and some of them. So that to me is, is, is the, to me, if, if you give any props, it definitely goes to them. Yeah. And Cornelia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I think, you know, I think you took it to another level though, too, I would say, you know, like I, I tell you, I have, I have gifted your gospel according to jazz CDs to people so many times and to friends yeah, and to, to, to my, some of my pastors over the years and things like that. And I will tell you, there is something about, I think one of the things that we seem to be in society hesitant to talk about is our faith, right? Yeah. And music is one of these things that, you know, I, 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 with some like with your song Ma Foi, like I loved the song before I understood what the song was about, right? <laughs> you know yes, what I mean? Sir. And so it's one of those things where it, it, the way you've done it over the years is that you've brought people into this understanding, this reconciliation sometimes, this enlightenment sometimes of faith, just through this good music, you know, which is a really cool thing. So I really think you've taken it to a whole different level. Man, I appreciate that. And it's just so affirming. And you mentioned ma foi, you know, en français, nous disons ma foi, c'est ma vie. Like, my faith is my life. Yes. And, you know, when I did that song, a lot of things I can pack into this. But but to say that I didn't really, really fully realize the, the fact that instrumental music has the power to break and enter. Yeah into a person's soul. Yeah. You know, and that, that goes for, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're whatever your faith tradition or none at all. Right. It is a fact that people can't keep you out. Like if you, if you, if I record a song in French or in Spanish, you know, singing automatically there's a barrier, you yeah. know, there's an impediment. Of course, now people just look it up online, but there was a time yeah. when that was a big deal. So you you couldn't get through to them, but I can get through to anybody yeah. with the language of instrumental music. And I always say that I believe God speaks the language of music, yeah. that people are able to understand something without understanding it. Yes. Like they, it goes and seeps into their heart, their soul and becomes a part of them, whether or not they understand it with the cognitive center. So to your point, my foi, man, that was, that was a good example of me trying to just, man, I want people to feel me yeah, and my love for God, man. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. That's what happened. That was a wonderful, wonderful song out of a catalog of so many wonderful ones, but let's talk a little bit about your 2019 release Humanité. Yes, sir. And by the way, let me mention briefly that, you know, when you say, I like your song, My Fault. Like, people don't realize what that means to me. That was 1985. I mean, yeah. that was a long time ago. So thank you. It may have been 87, but it was a long time ago. So thank you for the answer. Your I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I would tell you, I remember you tour. You were in Milwaukee. You played the Third Ward Summer Sizzle. And I remember that was the very first time I saw you play in downtown Milwaukee. It was an outdoor event. 
and you did that song. And I, I at that time, I probably wore that CD out, you know, and oh. uh, I was just like, that was such a that was such a cool. Moment. I still remember that moment. It was an August day, beautiful evening. So absolutely, absolutely oh, still remember. Cool. Well, you mentioned, you know, humanity. And yeah. I appreciate it. And humanity came out of kind of a, a crisis, a life crisis, minor okay. life crisis. Where, yeah. you know, uh, I knew I was turning 60 uh-huh. and it didn't bother me. I wasn't afraid. But there was this one day when I got this thought, like a revelation. It's uh-huh. like, man, you know what? Two weeks ago, you know, figuratively, you were turning 40. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, that does not seem that long ago. Yeah. And then I said, in two weeks, you're going to be turning 80. Yeah. Figuratively. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. It, it didn't, you know, it wasn't a thought process. It was like, the decision yeah okay <laughs> right okay but like get up get the credit card out yeah frequent fire miles we're gonna go we're gonna go to these places that i had you know in my vision my dream of what i would like to be doing i would be performing and recording in these places okay and i would be doing collaborations with these young artists in indonesia and in japan yeah um south africa kenya nigeria france england i would be in these places and I had encountered some of these artists, you know, when I had played uh, some of those places at jazz festivals and whatever. And yeah, I just did it. And, yeah. and my buddy filmmaker, Jim Hainan, who just uh, just is now on the mend from a, a really bad, you know, version of, of COVID. But oh, sorry to hear he decided he's, he's doing good, man. But he decided uh, to document this me mm-hmm. <laughs> trotting along with my producer buddy from England, James McMillan. Yeah. And we just had a blast. And the documentary is another thing we can chat about, but it's called yeah. Humanité, which is humanity in French, the beloved community. Yes. And, you, and, and I know that's right up your alley, but, yeah. but that's how that came to be. That's cool. That's cool. And I've seen the documentary and it is really cool. It's a really wonderful work. And, you know, just the ability of, you know, like, in this world that we live in, you know, music is a common thread, right? And yes. I thought it was so cool that your your desire to go and reach out and and talk about the human condition, right? And talk about, you know, I think that we lose sight of, I don't know that we see each other as much as people mm. as we should. You know what I mean? We're a number Absolutely. to somebody or something else to somebody. And I, I thought that was a great concept for, for well, that. And not work. only just the number, like you're a a faith tradition you're represented on in these along these lines like you know oh well, yeah that's them you know evangelicals you know yeah. or, oh man that's these jewish people oh man there's those muslims and so you know we have a way like otherizing and we, we yes. talk about us and them you know the dualistic way of looking at things and i'm recovering from that you know yeah. and humanity is part of my recovery like yeah. to present to people just how wonderful it is for us to all be us yes and nobody be them yes 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 that's fantastic well let's listen to a song from that work um this song is and i want you to correct me if i don't pronounce it correctly quetu you got it man quetu all right let's listen to quetu
All right, everybody, that was today's guest, Kirk Whalem, with his song, Quetu. So, Kirk, I've seen you play probably about a dozen times now, and every one of those times that I've seen you play, I can remember at some point in the show, there was, you gave the audience a word of encouragement or a word of faith or something. And I'm just curious, like, does that happen in the moment? Or when you go out on stage, you think, you know what, I want to share a word about this today? Or or how does that come to be? Yeah, thank you for asking. I mean, I, I will say, you know, sort of on the personal, intimate level that that's always sort of a, it's it's my sincere honor and pleasure and at the same time, I'm always just second guessing myself, you know, every yeah. time that happens, every time I share my faith from the stage, because I do, you know, my dad very wisely cautioned me when I was in my early 20s. You know, he's, he came here, he played at a club and he's mm-hmm. my dad is a, was a Baptist preacher. Yeah, he's, a, he's with the Lord now. But that dude would come hear me in a club you know, uh-huh. and have a drink. I yeah. mean, yeah, you know, he wasn't bound by any of that stuff. But he said, man, you know what? You're up there preaching. He said, but you got to be careful because people came to hear you play. Yeah. They came to hear music. And now me talking, of course, is a part of that, you mm-hmm. know, the overall experience, because I'm a really good, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the master ceremony. You know yeah. See? Yeah. Like, because I love people. And so it, it comes natural. But the part about me going then into this intimate place of my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. He's like. Just be careful. And man, that has been has stayed with me. And there are times when I did well. There are times when I did terribly bad. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I remember I'm gonna share this with you. <laughs> I remember being on stage in Dallas uh-huh. years ago. I got up there and said something about abortion, man. Uh-huh. I, it was just, I look back on it now. I mean, I'm like, man, I know you were zealous, but you were so wrong, like a big dog. Okay, okay. So you you know you evolve into yeah. who you want to be and who you should be. Yeah, sharing your faith I think is absolutely apropos. Like I know friends, I have a buddy you know who loved drinking his martinis, and he would go yeah. and talk about drinking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm so I feel like if he can share about drinking, which I have a beer, I'm not, I'm not yeah. mad about that, but yeah, my heart of hearts is Jesus is in there. So I'm sharing about him. Yeah. It's just a matter of doing it in such a way where people say, well, he's just sharing who he is. Yeah. Not saying, oh, well, yes. you got to do this too. No, it's just about sharing. I think that's such a great point too, because I think that, you know, we, you know, in our faith journeys and, you know, we could probably talk for hours about this point alone in our faith journeys. We go through those evolutions where we're zealous and we want to and where we're sometimes more about religion than relationship. And as we evolve, it becomes about, you know, I think for me, the best way to minister is to just be the me that God has created me to be. Right. And what what how that manifests itself, it should manifest itself in how I treat people every day. It should manifest itself in what I do when people aren't looking. You know what I mean? It should manifest itself in in all of those things that make people say, huh, that person is a decent person or, you know, I wonder wonder what that person has got going on in their life and opens up a door to a conversation. Right. And I, yeah. I and that's one of the things that I've loved about, you know, going to your shows. I used to, I used to, always to tease my wife and say, well, you know, like we're going to go, we're going to get some good music and we're going to get some yes. we're going to get something else to take with us too today. Yes, so, yes. so that's always been a yes, real thing yes. that I've enjoyed about your music and your show. So thank you, man. And by the way, not everyone appreciates that. You know, I, I will say, you know, that. I have been, I'm going to use the word blacklisted um, okay. 
in certain sectors uh-huh. uh, amongst you know certain promoters. Okay. And I have experienced that. And I, you know, some would say, well, maybe, you know, that's your cross to bear, like, you know, what Jesus did for me in terms of sacrifice, yeah. you know, self-giving love. I can then say, well, I have this other little sacrifice, tiny yeah. sacrifice that I made, and that's that. On certain gigs, I'm not going to get yep. because they say, no, that's not. He gets up there and he talks about God, you know, talks about Jesus. No, we can't have that. Yeah. And and by the way, m- most of that comes from that uh, kind of negative, you know, uh, connotation comes from, you know, one or two people. Yep. Who, you know, because they're but they're vocal. Right. Yep. They will they will email their promoter and say, I didn't appreciate this guy. Yeah. You know, I'm Jewish or I'm whatever. And I don't appreciate him getting up there talking yeah. about Jesus. I came to hear music. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And so I'm constantly thinking about that on, on, on stage. Yeah. God, give me the, the, give me just the right words to say and just how yeah. much to say. And that is not easy because when, you know, when, when I'm in the spirit, yeah. You know, man, ah, you know, like you try raining in the spirit. They say right. you try kicking against the goats. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It ain't easy, but I am working on it, you know. You know, but you know what? The other side of that, the flip side of that, too, was that I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday about being liked versus being respected. And the point that I made to him was that I'm really not concerned about people liking me. And like, I don't yeah. want to be disliked, but I'm not concerned about people liking me because if I stand for something, then I know yeah. everybody is not going to like me. And one of yeah. the things my dad used to tell me was that it ain't principle until it costs you something, you know? My, my. And you got to stand on That's what you believe one. in and who you are, you know? Yeah, I like that, man. That's a very good one. You know, it's about being authentic and authentic with yourself. And I think that's one of the things why I think so many people, that's one of the reasons why I think so many people connect with you and your music. So so tell us what you're like just before you're going out on stage to do a show. Are you like, are you anxious? Are you ready? Can't wait to get out there. Are you? Yeah, good question. So I, I definitely am not, I would, I wouldn't say anxious, mm-hmm. you know, um, unless some particular is happening. But no, in general, I'm not anxious. I am excited to mm-hmm. go out. I am, you know, prayerful. I try to focus. I always have tea. Yeah. You know, okay. uh, tea sort of focuses me, especially green tea. And, uh, you know, uh, do a little heroin, smoke a joint. And uh, <laughs> um, somebody's going to take them. So, yeah, see <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, just drink some tea and try to focus. And, you know, we pray as a band yeah. uh, before we go out. And that's something I consider to be a true privilege because, you know, just because I'm the boss, you know, especially in today's, mar- you know, business um, yeah. environment, you know, you can't be, ha- you know, well, I'm the boss and we're all going to pray right now. Right. Yeah. So it, it is something that I, I make sure people know that, no, you, you're not obligated to do this and you don't lose points if you don't pray yep. with us, you yep. know. But just so happens the kinds of musicians that I've attracted have all been down for it. And not all of them are Christians. That's a a very important point. Yeah. But, you know, most people are open to prayer. Yeah. So that's what happens before we go out. That's cool. What kind of musicians do you look for when you're putting together a band for it? Like, I know John Stoddard has been with you for a long time. He's been a staple at, pre, I think, just most of the shows I've been to of yours. Yes, sir. If, if I have anything to do with it. Yeah. yeah. What, are you, what, what is it that you're look, you look for when you're looking for people to work with? Right. So, you know, there is a spiritual component mm-hmm. 
of to me of you know what I look for in a musician. Yeah, it's definitely it's foundational because there's a certain type of expression and receptivity and kind of the way, you know, jazz works is that you're kind of passing the ball around Mm -hmm. whatever metaphor you use. And, and so the receptivity is, is important. Yeah. Again, we don't have to be coming from the same place, right? But man, because as you are emoting something and in our case, someone who is a spirit, Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't want to have that, you know, that that kind of brick wall for the bounce against. I had a musician friend. Well, guy was in my band for years uh-huh. and he was not a believer. And he he came and told me one day, he said, man, I am done. And I don't appreciate being up there with you talking about Jesus okay. and everything. And, 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 and by proxy, you know, it's like, I'm saying all this stuff and I, I'm just not down with it, man. Yeah. And someone may be listening and say, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and I totally understand. And, but I ought to say this, man. So now I'm 63. I think he's probably 60, 65 or 66. Uh-huh. He came to me a few years ago. He said, man, my life has been radically changed. And now I look back, he said, I had to come to you personally. It's almost like, you know, a, a, a person who's in recovery. Uh-huh. I, I had to come to you and apologize and to say thank you for taking a stand, just being uh, uh, courageously being who you are. Yeah. Even though I was one of those people pushing back, he's like, man, now every Sunday I play in a, in an Episcopal church and I spend time, you know, studying the the scriptures that, you know, that the correlate with song I'm going to play and all of that. And it's just was, it was one of those moments for me that I'll never forget. And I hold on to it because again, there are plenty of times when, you know, I'm, I'm a little stressed about being up there, you know, being free, sharing my faith. So it's a good thing. Well, it's interesting you, you brought that up because I was just listening to, um, an episode of your uh, your podcast, Humans Being, and you told yes. a similar story about what happened when Bob James heard Take Six. Yes, yes. And so, man, Bob James is one of those people who, you know, I have so I have so much respect for, I couldn't put it in one interview, you know, yeah, it's just particular. Yeah. But he's the guy who discovered me, and during the, that time, I was, uh, yeah, I was on fire, man, for God, because I had just really gotten my bearing of, like, you know, who he was. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, man, this is how can you not love him? And so I, I was sharing with Bob and Bob was like, yeah, man, I'm really not interested. I'm not ratting on him. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, then there, there was this moment years ago when take six first record came out, man, this ha- so happens. I, I uh, flown to New York uh-huh. from Houston where I was living and I'm worn out, man. I want to just put my stuff down and go somewhere. <laughs> and so he's like, put your stuff down, but come sit right here. And he took me to the couch and he put on, he didn't say anything else. He just put yeah. the record on, played the whole first take six record. He cried. I cried. It was such a moment yeah man, because it, it was a way that god had figured to get around his barriers yeah now he kept those barriers up for another few years you know I mean, a good 20 years yeah yeah no a good 30 years okay and okay. then recently you know he'll tell you himself that he had another uh, uh you know spiritual awakening recently but man you know there's an old scripture in the old testament that that says that 
that God devises ways so that those who are, and I'm paraphrasing, those who are suspended from God, like being suspended from school, will not, um, you know, basically go into perdition. Like, yeah. And I think of it as being expelled. You know, you mm-hmm. expel from school, that's different from being suspended, right? Yeah. And and so I, I know that God uses the foolishness of jazz, the foolishness of art, uh, uh, people just comment, somebody might say a billboard. He will use that stuff to cause people to look towards him. Yeah. And once you see Jesus in this light of self-giving love, it's it's who sees Christ in that light. Yeah. Turn away. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great point. So so who would you say have been some of your top musical influences? Well, Bob James would be one. And, um, you know, definitely, man, his writing and arranging, my Mm -hmm. God, I mean, he's such a genius. But the biggest was my Uncle Peanuts. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of pictures of him here in my studio. Yeah. He was uh, Hugh Peanuts Mm Whalum. Peanuts because he was five foot four. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And that's stretching. But that was his nickname. But but he was um, the first person I heard play the saxophone up close and personal. Okay. Who was really really good at it so huh. he had all these years of experience and i the what came out of my horn he picked up my horn which i thought i was playing good uh-huh. at 12 <laughs> he picked it up and just completely wore me out man i'm like oh my huh. god just the sound of it and just the way he, he's so smooth you know yeah so that was my primary influence throughout you know my career but then i got to hang with james moody you know okay. one of my true uh, mentors and the way that I approach the things that I share on something that's coming out uh, in the next few weeks called ah. the Sax Loft. Okay. The Sax Loft. It's a it's a it's a tutorial site. Okay. If somebody anybody wants to learn saxophone. It's not just me. It's Jeff Coffin who is amazing, uh-huh. <laughs> and Tia Fuller. Jeff Coffin and Tia Fuller. Okay. But the saxloft.com and I share a little bit of you know, what James Moody taught, you can't share it all, but yeah, in two hours, long story in France, I was studying in Paris and went down to, to the Nice Jazz Festival and mm-hmm. got to meet him. But, but the two hours I spent with him changed my life. Cool. 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 I left out a lot, but, but I'm going to add one quick one. That's yeah. Arnett, Arnett Cobb. So okay. I'm going to put this ring up so people can see it. Uh-huh. Arnett Cobb is, um, he is pretty much the, the chairman of the board of the tenor, the Texas tenor saxophone school. Okay. Know? Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know, the school of sound that we yeah. call the Texas tenors. And uh, uh, so Arnett was my guy. This is his ring. His daughter gave it to me after he passed. And okay. It was just a big emotional thing, but he was, he was my guy. I, I spent more time with him probably than any other saxophone player. That's cool. That is cool. So, you know, having been around so many people and worked with so many people, are there artists out there that you're dying to collaborate with yet? Yeah, there are a lot of them. <laughs> um, and most of them are international artists. Man, I heard an artist named Rosalia uh-huh. from Spain, and she's super huge, you know, so the chances of me collaborating with her are pretty slim. But wow, you know, just her concept uh is all across every fence you know okay. she's jumping all the fences and rosalia is is putting forth something that's is very pop and very sort of you know intentional but it 
it embraces and incorporates all these influences uh-huh. from India and from wow. obviously from hip hop, from jazz. But, you know, it, it's pop, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, jazz music was the pop music of 1940 and yeah. 50. Yeah. And then even into 1960. But then, you know, came Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. and Sly and the Family Stone, you know. <laughs> So it's no longer the pop music of the day, but I consider jazz to still be at the foundation of of most great music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would have to concur with that. Well, let's take a listen to another cut off of your Humanité release. And this song, I would love to learn a little bit more about this song from you, Coro Gocho. Tell us what that song's about. Yes, Coro Gocho is a place that is a, it's a ghetto. Yeah. I mean, a true a true ghetto, like in, in, you know, if you can imagine in Nairobi, which is, you know, a, a very uh, cosmopolitan city yeah. in Kenya. But, you know, when you see poverty in Africa, you see the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kodogoto is just, man, it's a slum uh, situated next to the, the city dump. Okay. Okay. And the people in Kodogoto make their living just what you call rummaging okay through the dump just yeah. trying to find something that they can make something out of mm-hmm. or something that can sell and there's a, a squalor and there's a lot of crime um you know the girls are very vulnerable in that environment yeah. and it's just it's terrible but again that ain't kenya that's not nairobi it's just that area yes and we were privileged to go and visit a school a music school in koto gocho huh called ghetto classics you know huh. they they call themselves ghetto classics and if you google ghetto classics kenya uh-huh. there's a lot of great videos like short videos that, okay you know the kids playing and just talking about how much music means to them yeah and man i got them to record with me on this record on kwetu actually the other song we played. okay and they were just they were out of their minds, man, just being in a studio. Like, what? How is this yeah. how this is done? <laughs> and but Korogocho is just the name of the place that they live. All right. Well, let's take a listen. This is Kirk Whalen with Korogocho. Thank you.
We just heard Korogocho from our guest today, Kirk Whalem. So I know you come from a musical family. I know your son. I've seen your son on the Kelly Clarkson show. I saw you doing a little bit with him on the show at a time. I know your brother. Um, like He's got a great single out with uh, Michael Manson right now that's yes. doing really, really well. And how many members of your family are musicians? There's a bunch of well, them, aren't it's there? It's funny, you know, just thinking through that. And by the way, you're right, my son, Kyle. Our son, Kyle, uh, he looks he looks a lot more like his mom than uh-huh. me, but um, he's doing well. He also plays with Katy Perry. So okay. if you're in Vegas and you see Katy Perry's name up there, you'll probably see my son. Awesome. And but on the on the Kelly Clarkson show, that's his main gig, and he yeah. loves it. Loves her. She's such an incredible person. Um, and my brother Kevin, you're right. Mm-hmm. He is an an innovator. Yeah, you know, he's actually coming over uh, tomorrow to record something here for another artist. Oh, great! Um, here in my studio. But um, I heard something the other day that just stripped me out. Somebody sent me a clip. Actually, my nephew Kenneth, who is an amazing artist, yeah. Kenneth Whalem. Uh huh. Google Kenneth Whalem. Okay. Uh, he's incredible. But he sent me a clip, and it was Herbie Hancock. You know, teaching. Uh, on that, what's that site called? The tutorial site. Um, I can't think of it right now, but it's, it's the biggest one. Okay. Where you got every single 
field is covered. In okay. This thing. But he says, um, yeah, well, Mrs. Whalum taught me how to read music. Huh. You know, she, she taught me where the notes were and how to see them on the page. You know, I had a, other teachers after that, but Mrs. Whalum was, you know, and wow. he was and I went, who is he talking about? And so we all started digging around. Uh -huh. Of course, my grandmother was, my paternal grandmother, Thelma, was a piano teacher. She taught uh, voice, wow. uh, voice and also choir, and she played pipe organ. Okay. My maternal grandmother, Lily May, was a gospel singer. She was a domestic, and on okay. Sundays, brother, she was getting her praise <laughs> on down in, in Soulsville neighborhood of Memphis. So, uh -huh. So there's that part. My my grandfather paternal was an amazing orator and incredible singer. Huh. So then I find out that my aunt, great aunt Bribina, who's I've never heard that name before, uh -huh. may have taught Herbie Hancock to play. Wow. Right, so then, you know, there's my brothers, my my pastor brother Kenneth is also a great musician, you okay. know, singer. But Kevin is awesome. I've got my son Kyle. Nephew Kenneth, again, I mentioned nephew uh -huh. Cortland sings Broadway um, and, and acts on, on that level. And then Cameron uh, tours with Bruno Mars. So wow. when people see Silk Sonic and yeah. all these big hits, they see this tall, handsome brother named Cameron Whalen. But, you know, there are other folks by the name of Whalen who also do music. I don't get okay. to hang with them a lot. Most of them are from the Chicago area. The originally we're all from a place in Mississippi the name of which is not coming to me right okay. now, but um, yeah, my family originated down that way. And I'm just grateful, man, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the, in that line of people named Whalen. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, you guys have done as a family. I can't imagine what it's like when you all get together for the holidays. Is it just like a, a continuous <laughs> concert or something going on? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, there is. <laughs> And that, that was Union Church, Mississippi, by the okay, way. Okay, okay. There is almost no music when we get together as a as a family. Really? Yeah, it's just the way it is. It's not. A, it's kind of like, man, nah. We just okay. eating and talking and playing cards or whatever. Gotcha. It's, it's almost no music except my son Evan is like he, my youngest. He's the curator of of any kind of music. So okay, he's always turning us all on to. To new stuff so ah. anything is about evan making us listen to stuff we go okay okay all right all right that's cool that's cool that's cool so in addition to making music and touring you you've done so many other things and you 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 used to run the stacks museum in memphis you've been on the faculty of visible music college you do volunteer work you have your cafe kirk series uh like how do you find time to do all these different things yeah it's funny right i mean the one thing you mentioned that i will always make time for and that is i'm a volunteer barber uh -huh. and you know i mean that doesn't sound too good like you know you you go like i'm gonna get my hair cut by a volunteer barber it's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> I don't know about that. But it so happens that I'm pretty good because I've been cutting for, you know, probably 12, 13 years. Okay. And and even before then, we started to cut my, my son's hair uh -huh. and I cut, you know, we cut each other's hair in college. But I found myself just, you know, scratching my head like, man, I see all these people around me in this environment at a place called Manor House. Uh -huh. And everybody brings something unique that, you know, what is it that I can do for Jesus yes. in this setting? Because we believe that every human being is created in the image of God. Yeah. And 
And that's a very big deal. It's not like we just look like him, like it is God manifest. And so we always talk about, man, if God is there, what can I do? What would I do if I really believe that this uh-huh. person in front of me was God, Yeah, you know, who's dressed, you know, so poorly and, and who uh, might smell, you know, because somebody, yeah. been, you know, living outside and, and maybe, you know, in many cases, you know, uh, self uh, medicating, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I said, man, I would, I would try to give the Lord a really, really good haircut. If uh-huh, I could uh-huh. one thing I could bring, I, sometimes I play, but there's not always time for that, right? Yeah. But man, I have had such a wonderful time every Thursday when I'm in town. That's awesome. Manor House, Memphis. It's a kind of a, you know, it's a church in a sense, you uh-huh. know, that I feel the presence of God in this in this uh, space, yeah. where we get to interact with God. I think a lot of people are, you know, looking for God and in, in, in sort of esoteric and kind of philosophical, mm-hmm. theological ways. And, and I, I totally get that. But man, there's nothing like experiencing the presence of God yeah. manifesting somebody who who may be homeless or, or poor. And just the cheeriness, you know, someone living the harshness of poverty yeah. is real. Yeah, yeah. And somebody living in that situation but can yet turn around and be cheery and be, yeah, hey, yeah. You know, good to see you, man. Uh, or give you advice or, you know, just give you a perspective on something, mm-hmm. politics, art, whatever. You're not going to get it in any other place. So yeah. that's the one thing you mentioned that I aspire to do until my last breath. All right. All right. And tell us about your podcast, Humans Being. What is that? Yes, Humans Being. You know, it's like, wait a minute, it's, it's human beings. <laughs> it's, no, humans being, because it's, it's not about humans doing. You yeah. know, we tend to be identified by what we do. And I'm guilty, you know, well, I'm a sexual player, whatever. Uh-huh. But your intrinsic value is so rich and so beautiful and important long before you do anything yeah and god is in that just that being you know mm-hmm. and we can just afford each other that kind of humanity man there wouldn't be wars like we yeah. have right now yeah and yeah so humans being is i just we talk about different things you know whether it's current events or and we do talk about the faux pas you know religion uh-huh. you know politics and all that we bring all that in yeah and and we do a little music, you know. Uh, I'm normally interviewing somebody remotely musical or some kind of musical connection. My last episode that's coming out next is uh-huh. Nina Freelon. Okay. And Nina, that's N-N-E-N-N-A, Nina. Okay. Freelon is, man, a jazz diva. I huh. mean, she's known and respected and loved worldwide okay and she's gonna get on a plane she might go to austin texas or she might go to austria because that's that's the, how big of an artist nina wow is. her husband phil freeland was the chief designer of the of the of the national uh african-american museum in, in washington dc okay uh this extraordinary building is only i think four years old now and he passed away he, he's a young brother you huh. know passed away at like 60 okay but he and Nina had been married for over 40 years. She has a podcast about all of that called Great Grief. Okay. Great Grief is a podcast uh, definitely to check out. Cool. So, Kirk, we do this segment on every show, and uh, we call it Bout It or Doubt It. So if you are about it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can we twist your arm to play? Yes. All right. Let's do it. I 
body, 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 body. If you body, get them up. I mean you body by. That I mean you body. body. We say you body by. Uh, I represent. I doubt it. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to spin the wheel. We're going to get you a category. Then we're going to ask you a couple about it or doubt it questions. Okay. Excellent. All right. All right, Kirk, your category today is science and technology. You ready? <laughs> no, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> All right. About it or doubt it, self-driving vehicles. Um, about it. Yeah. Um, I, I am most definitely looking forward to that. I love cars. I love uh-huh. driving. Okay. But I, there's going to come a time in a few years when yeah. I just should not be behind the wheel. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not going to mention any numbers, <laughs> uh, ages, but, you know, I, I hear you talk about I'm still driving. I'm 90. Well, <laughs> Uh, we're looking forward to it, Ruby and I. Like we're just gonna call somebody and let uh-huh. them. Uh huh. And go. I have been in a dri- a driverless car uh, in Phoenix. Uh, okay. It was very very interesting. Yeah, I haven't experienced it yet, and I and while I'm I'm really down with the advance in technology, but I'm I'm a control freak a bit, so I'm a little bit worried about that aspect of it. You know. Got it. Yeah, it is something to get used to. I mean, I think of you know being on a train. Yeah, you know, uh, good point. You know good what point. I mean? I, yeah. I, you know, and if you're at at ATL airport, you know, you're in a vehicle that ain't got no driver. Right? That's right. But, but there, you know, there's always something that can go wrong in life. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, one thing I do regret is that I, I regret that we're, we seem to be, you know, careening down uh, the, the, the valley of, you know, putting people out of their job, you know, yes, that, that's the yes. only thing that I don't like about any of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's ask you one more about it or doubt a question. Personal space travel. Um, I'm about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, okay. You know, my, my wife and I have had this discussion and uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down with it, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm totally down with, with going into outer space. You know, you, know, you gotta use the, you gotta use the potty on yourself, but you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll work it out. <laughs> So are we going to see you on one of these Blue Origin or one of these other flights anytime in the near future? <laughs> Probably not. You know, I have my bones to pick with the, the with those folks who are okay. doing it. I feel like there's money that, you know, you can always say this, right? But yeah. money that's going towards all the problems we have down there. Like yes. you're trying to create this, you know, panacea yep. somewhere so we can escape. I'm not down with that. But yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't know that I'm. I, I can say right now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready for a personal space travel. Just got it, yet, got you know? it. I feel you, and and you're right. If you if you have any control issues, you're like, no, uh huh, no, no. yeah, I can't handle like, that one. Blast just yet. off, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we hear so much different. Uh, I would say so many different influences and so many different styles in your music, like. Can you describe your own personal musical taste? Like what's playing in your car right now? And what kind of stuff do you lean to when you just want to listen as a fan? Well, I guess I could just talk about what I have listened to recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been on on repeat on this record called Irreplaceable, huh. recorded in 2004, uh, the great George Benson. Oh, okay. Yes. Irreplaceable. And that's a record that slipped through the cracks because you know, it was produced by a young producer. They were volitionally going for a younger audience. Okay. And a lot of people didn't appreciate that. They thought it was jive. I love it. And okay. if you are listening and you know that producer, you can put me in touch with him. I need to know him. Okay. But, um, there's Rosalia, as I mentioned. Yeah. She's a big pop artist, but Spanish. Very just, man, off the charts, creative 
completely different. Like she was on Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. I think two weeks ago. She did this track with her and her solo and, you know, this like drum percussion track. Uh-huh. It was just the two of them. And man, it was insanely good. Huh. You know? uh, I'll give you one more. Um, Chiara Chivello. Uh, Chiara Chivello. Okay. Chiara Chivello. Uh, and that's spelled C-I-V-E-L-L-O. She's okay. an Italian artist. I speak multiple languages. She speaks... I think five languages. Okay. And so I have so much respect for her. She writes in all those languages so poetically. Yeah. See, speaking another language is one thing, writing and being poetic, mm-hmm. writing prose or poetry in another language is very, very difficult. But she's a very bad piano player, too. Huh. Bad isn't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she went to Berkeley College of Music. That's a, that's a hotbed for yeah. young creatives, you know. No doubt about it. So, how many languages do you speak? What languages are they? See. All right. Okay. I speak French. Hablo español, okay. pero bastante bien. I uh, speak Spanish and English. I, you know, of course, I dabble. It's Nihongo no this. Now, okay. I speak a little bit of Japanese. Uh, if I were to try to tackle another one, that would be it. But okay, I did a three-week, another three-week intensive, um, this time in Costa Rica. Okay. Uh, just got back three weeks ago, and it just kind of reminded me that I was 63. Huh, how so? Uh, because you do something that's an intensive, you know, an accelerated, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, language uh, immersion. Yeah. You know? Okay. It's it's fast forward, you yeah. know, you're learning and fast forward. And then you have to later on, slow it down and try to make sure you got it. Cause man, yeah. I was treading water. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was so intense uh-huh. three weeks you know and boy but i love it and i just i just don't ever want to stop learning yeah yeah so tell our fans something that they would be surprised to learn about you okay something surprised to learn about me um well i'm a big football fan a okay big okay okay i love soccer um, never played, but man, I love it. And Ruby and I, it's something we love to do together. You uh-huh. know, just watch football. We have a great team here in Memphis, uh, 901 FC. Okay. 901 is our area code, 901 Football Club. And, um, you know, just we watch, you know, Premier League, uh, my favorite team. I'm surprised I don't have on a jersey right uh-huh. now, but uh, Liverpool. Okay is my favorite team. And, uh, but I, yeah, I just love it. It's just such a beautiful game as they call it. And, um, you know, I, I, it relaxes me. And at the same time, it's just, it's very exciting to me. Many people say it's boring. I just Mm -hmm. don't see how it could be boring to anybody, but I love it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, I have started myself. I, I, I've been a big American football fan, but I've watched a few soccer matches recently and I found it and I, and I didn't think that, that I would be able to enjoy it like I have enjoyed them. So I haven't really gotten into it to that level, but I've, I've the few that I've watched, I've really enjoyed it. It's really something else, man. And again, the more you get into it, the more you understand about it. Yeah. You know, like someone described it, like everything has to be right for them to make a point. That's why they make so few points. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, oh, man, you know, and you just you can't be still. I do not so much like American football. I, I watch it when I'm with my mom and stepdad because they uh-huh. live in Kansas City and oh, they yeah. sleep the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. But, and 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 I have such a great team. 
Uh, but yeah, the culture of that sport is just way too macho. It's just, you know, toxic masculinity on 11 mm-hmm. and I'm not down with it, man. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not crazy about it. Yeah. Understand. Understand. So the last time I got a chance to see you play was last summer at the Louisville jazz festival. And I happened to be sitting behind, uh, sitting in front of someone and we just stuck up, struck up a conversation and she was before you just came on and she was like, Oh, I came just to see Kirk Whalen play. And I want him to play two songs into my soul and now till forever. And I, we, we talked about that. And those happen to be two of two of my favorites from from your and catalog. I didn't play either one of them. You didn't play either one of them <laughs> that night, but that's all right. That's OK. That's all right. But I figured I'm going to take an opportunity. I, I've always wondered what the genesis was of those songs. Okay. Well, and first of all, let me apologize to you and her. And <laughs> oh, that's okay. Say, like the older <laughs> I get, you know, the more, uh, you know, I guess, you know, my quiver of arrows, uh, records, it's just, I can't, it's just, I can't, I just am trying to figure what in the world should I play because it's so much you know, to like, choose from. Yeah. It, it is a good problem to have, but, yeah. uh, I into my soul was the track, um, you know, John Stoddard, my right hand uh-huh. and, you know, uh, musical director, great solo artist. Uh, John Stoddard, you know, sent me this track and I went, huh. yeah. so I just wrote to that track. Okay. You know, okay. Wrote melody. That time we were working here in Memphis uh, with the great David Porter um, uh-huh. and Gary going. And so that track is, you know, just so smooth. I just love it so much. Um, the, uh, uh, just played this song the other night, uh, Now to Forever. Yeah. Was a collaboration with another writer who's not going to come to my mind right now and he's going to kill me. But that we, I was under the great uh, producer, Paul Brown. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in LA. And yeah, it, it, funny how both of those songs uh, were the, uh, the kind of collaboration. I don't get to do a lot of it, but because uh-huh. I'm sitting here in the lab right you're right but they you know just play this track for me uh-huh. and basically turn on the microphone okay you know i mean turn on record and i just played a melody and so the melody was instant was that extemporaneous okay you know? okay it just came at you know because because the, the music can inspire you and point you in a certain direction yeah i may have changed like one or two things but huh. pretty much is what i played when i when i heard the, the that's track. cool that's cool so those came to being um, in a in a in a way that was probably not as uh, I suppose that sometimes they happen like that kind of magically, and sometimes it's something you 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 noodle with over time, and you work with, and you and you and you fine tune and you tweak, huh? Yes, yeah, a lot of my stuff I do that I obsess over, you know. Yeah, but, um, you know the the stuff that I think is you know uh, lasting. Uh-huh. Uh, someone said that only what you do for Christ will last. And, and I still remember that old song, but, yeah. but, you know, when it comes from within and I'm just in that spirit of worship to, towards him for this self-giving love that radically changed history. Yeah. My yeah, life, yeah. The song just flows out. That's there cool. are other times when I, you know, start with an idea that, you know, I have to work it through certain channels and, mm-hmm. you know, and my songs, my personal compositions tend to have a lot of kind of, you know, go through the forest a little bit on, yeah. you know, like on the bridge and, you know, cause, cause I have, you know, aspirations of being a, you know, classical uh, composer. Huh. And, and so, 
that that's sort of how I get to my songs. And sometimes I look back, I go, man, that you could have said that a lot simpler. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So you've traveled all around the world. You are you really are a world citizen. Are are there places on this planet that just have a special meaning in your heart? Well, um, the top would be South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love playing there and right next to it, I guess, would be Japan. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are the two places I love playing more than any. Yeah. Uh, but I just love travel. Um, you know, I have never been to the Middle East and that's okay. just very, we've got something we're working on uh, okay. with Israel. Um, so I'm hoping to go to Israel and Palestine. Oh, great. Um, the, I've never been down under. Uh, I've never played South Africa. I'm sorry. I've never played Australia or mm-hmm. New Zealand. Okay. And uh, my guitar player uh, did not mention her. Uh, she's on my Humanite record. She's uh-huh. from South Africa, but grew up in New Zealand. So okay. she really uh, is a Kiwi, as they say. Yeah. And her name is is Andrea Lisa. Okay. And so I'm I'm hoping that Andrea can you know you know connect the dots so we yeah. can come down there and play. She just played with me this this past four days and uh in um in Seattle. Okay. At Jazz Alley. And she's just extraordinary. And we play some of her music as well. So, awesome. Yeah. So that's that's about me traveling. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's take a l- another listen to one of your songs. Let's listen to your remake of Wake Up, Everybody. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more backward thinking, time for thinking ahead The world has changed so very much from what it used to be There is so much hatred, war and poverty Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way Maybe then they listen to what you have to say Cause they're the ones who coming up And the world is in their hands When you teach the children Teach them the very best you can Get no 
Kirk Whalen with Wake Up Everybody. So, Kirk, there's a couple questions I love to ask all of our guests. So I'm going to throw those out at you now, if you don't mind. Yes, sir. The first one is... Boxers or briefs? No, that's not it. That's not it. (laughs) We're staying on the musical tip here for the most part. Um, What are your three favorite albums of all time? Can you name three that you put at the top of that list? Um, So Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, I'm pretty much... I think that's pretty much in on everybody's list. Um, Chiara Civello and the name of the record is not coming to me right now. I'll find it. Yeah. But, um, okay. So those are two and I have to have three. I could give you 10. <laughs> but, okay. The third one, Arnett Cobb. Ah. Which one of them? Um, so I go back in my collection and get the titles, but, um, Oh man, I'm sorry. I have to think. I have to get That's this. Okay. I, That's okay. I'm somebody right. who has all of his records. So I tell you, um, you just put that on there. This is a question I ask selfishly because every time I ask this question, what happens is I end up going home and I end up discovering something that I may not have known about, and so uh, that, it adds to my a, musical knowledge. You know, that's a sneaky way of. Uh, <laughs> You know, of, of getting turned on to new music. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. The other question we love to ask is, you're having a dinner party. You can invite any three guests, living or deceased. Who's coming to yes. Kirk Whalem's dinner party and what's on the menu? All right now. <laughs> well, it's going to be Japanese food. I mean, Asian All right. food, you know, but uh, it's definitely going to be Japanese food. And um, who's coming to dinner? Um, my avatars. Uh, one of them is Charles Lloyd. Okay. Saxophone player from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, who is, uh, you know, has the dubious distinction of having released the very first million selling jazz song, which was Forest Flower. Wow. By the great Charles Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, and he's 85, I believe, and okay. still knocking it out of the park. Wow. So it would be Charles, and the other avatar would be Marcus Miller, uh-huh. you know, who also speaks multiple languages okay. and who. I was in Paris and, and I was chilling, watching TV, and there comes a commercial with Marcus Miller, uh, <laughs> you know, like pushing some product. Uh-huh. I thought, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, he's living my life. But um, <laughs> and my baby, man, you know, I met this girl when I was 15. And I guess since this special meal, I wouldn't have her cook. You know, I just love when she she cook every day as far as I'm concerned, and I'll be good. Uh-huh. That's my girlfriend, Ruby. All right. Uh, We've been my, my wife now for going on for two years, but I met her in 1973. Wow. And she just completely uh, was gone. Yeah. It was just completely open. So I guess I would have, you know, her sitting beside me and not cooking food. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good dinner party, man. Sounds like a pretty good hey, dinner by party. By the way, I found a, a Chivello record. It's called Last Quarter Moon. All right. Last Quarter Moon. All right. Well, Kirk, man, I got to tell you, it has been so much fun um, spending a little time with you today, um, chopping it up with you a little bit today. We have been able to enjoy your music. Your music has enriched the lives of so many, and we wish you nothing but continued success, man. And we want to thank you for being on with us today. 
It is my distinct pleasure and honor. Um, all the great artists you, you've had on your show, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully I get to see you in person soon. I hope we can make that happen. I hope we can make that happen. Thanks again for being on today, man. You got it. All Ciao. right. All right. Well, everybody, we want to thank you again for listening today. And we want to remind you to get your tickets for the 2022 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 26th and 27th at the Paps Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, featuring Bob James, Najee, Alex Bunyan, Adam Hawley, Gabrielle Anders, Vandell Andrew, and more. Tickets are on sale now at freshcoastjazz.com. Thanks for listening today. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 